inflation for a few weeks. Not sure, but a couple. You know, there's a lot of things that are becoming acceptable in Baptist churches that historically, for years, for centuries, never were acceptable, but becoming more commonplace. And of course, uh, one of those is drinking alcohol. Uh, there are, of course, many others, and um, of course, that's why we have a a uh, standard sheet for those who serve in ministry. But and this is one of the things that's addressed in there. But I'd like to look at this tonight a little bit from Proverbs 31. I'm going to read verses one through nine, where it says, "The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, what my son, and what the son of my womb." What the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that are be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and please the cause of the poor and needy. So, question tonight, or what we're going to talk about is, um, is it right to drink? Alcohol. Of course, we're talking about alcohol. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that is ours to open your precious word. I pray as we look into the word of God that we would allow you to search our hearts, allow the spirit of God to speak to our hearts and teach us and instruct us in the way of truth. Might we walk, run after thy commandments and keep thy precepts diligently. So help us, Father, and give us wisdom and understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, many people say there's no clear teaching in the Bible concerning whether you can drink alcoholic wine or not, or alcoholic liquor or not. That there's really nothing wrong with it. It's just if you get drunk. In other words, social drinking is okay. There was a Professor at Bob Jones University, probably about 10 years ago now, wrote a book uh, defending social drinking. From what I understand, it's still available from Bob Jones University. Excuse me. Uh, last I heard about it, um, <clears throat> Shelton Smith and him had a meeting, and some representatives from Bob Jones had a meeting about it, and they agreed to disagree. <laughs> but anyway, praise the Lord, the soul of the Lord is at least against drinking. A lot of other things I don't agree with there, but but uh, anyway, you know this. So this is becoming a common practice. That's that social drinking. That many people think social drinking is okay. You know, one of the problems that is pointed out, and it is kind of a difficulty, is that the Bible translates the word wine generically. In other words, it could be fermented, fermented. It could be unfermented. You know, it could mean the fruit of the vine, which would be grape juice, or it could mean an alcoholic beverage. 
But context declares or will show you which it is. And and so, you know, context, you know, if you if you would study hermeneutics, which is you know Bible interpretation, uh you would soon learn that you are to take everything in context. And this is true whether you're reading the Bible or anything else. You need to take things in their context. Again, one of the problems with with our society and our world today is with technology, we read portions, portions of articles, portions of books. And many times things are taken out of their context. And so they're perverted. What has been said is perverted. And this is, you know, this is, we see this in the political world where, especially if you're conservative, that your words are taken out of context continually and made to say something you didn't say. And that's what they're doing with the word wine in the Bible. That's how they can justify social drinking. Now, we do believe as a church, that the Bible clearly condemns drinking alcoholic beverages. Here, in, even in this context, uh, this is, of course, Bathsheba uh, uh, speaking to, to Solomon, and he, he, she instructs him in several things. And she says in verse 3, Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Now, if you would just read the first three there and just drink, it's not for kings to drink wine. Stop right there. You would say, okay, is she referring to grape juice or is she referring to alcoholic? Well, if, again, keep it in context. Read the next verse. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any afflicted. Now, does grape juice make you forget? Will grape juice make you pervert or make you to think perversely or to think in ways that you normally don't think? Will grape juice cause you to lose your mind or your thinking powers? Well, we would say, no, of course not. So obviously... She's talking about strong drink here. And, of course, it says that in verse 6. Here's the only time you're allowed to drink, when you're ready to die. So if you're dying, you're allowed to drink strong drink as a medication. That's the only time the Bible says you can drink or approves of drinking. So we see here there's, there's, a, there's a clear condemnation here. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, it says this, verses 9 and 10, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So those that drink, the drunkards, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So those who regularly drink and become intoxicated face the damnation or the, of God's judgment. By the way, we stay intoxicated. If something is toxic, what is it? It's poisonous. So to be intoxicated is to poison yourself. 
It's poisoning your body. Uh, if you ever read, there's a book, uh, it's an older book, it's called 50 Years in the Church of Rome. Uh, Charles Chinnicky was a Catholic priest for 50 years, and he was adamant, and this, is, this sounds strange, but if he is an adamant opponent of alcoholic wine used in the Mass, he said it makes priests drunkards. He saw it firsthand. And he was a he was he was he was hated, became hated by the Catholic Church because he was against using alcoholic wine. But anyway, and he said there's a doctor one time did an autopsy on an alcoholic and said, Would you like to see it? He said, Yes, I would. He said, When that doctor opened that body, he said, Everywhere that alcohol went, that body was inflamed. It was red. It was inflamed because that alcohol was poisoning whatever it touched. It's toxic. It's toxic. Um, again, Matthew 24, 48 for 51. But if in that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord, delayeth his coming, shall begin to smite the fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunken. And the, So obviously if he's eating and drinking with the drunken, he's eating and drinking that which is toxic. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, Galatians 5.21, Envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And, of course, the Bible doesn't tell us what it takes or how much someone has to drink to be drunk. But just condemns those that drink. You know, uh, so we see we see this from the context. Look at Proverbs chapter twenty-three. Proverbs chapter twenty-three. Proverbs twenty-three. And verse twenty-nine. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Now, again, does grape juice cause woe? Does grape juice cause sorrow? Or contentions? Or babbling? You know, drunkards are just babble. We'll just, just talk. Um... Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of the eyes? Does grape juice cause any of these things? Again, of course, again, the answer is obvious. But they that tarry long at the wine, and notice again the context declares, they that go to seek mixed wine. And when you're talking about mixed wine, you're talking about fermented. Look not upon thou upon the wine, when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Have you ever tasted grape juice that bit like a serpent? Or stung you? Now, I'm told I've never drunk liquor, so I don't know. The closest thing I've used to liquor is, great, or is uh, NyQuil. And it does have some sting. But I'm told you have to acquire a taste for liquor. You have to acquire a taste for it. The closest I've got to it was I smelled it. 
and to me it smelt like something rotten. Why would I taste it? You know, smell like a rotten deer along the road. You know, it's kind of you know, not the same, but you know, it smells like something rotten, and that's really what it is. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, verse 31, Look not the pile when the wine was red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At last it biteth like a serpent, stingeth like an adder. Notice, Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of the mast. Thou, they have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it. Yet again. So again, this is describing the one who drinks strong drink. You know, it causes one to behold strange women, uh, eyes to wonder, thine heart to say perverse things. Uh, you know, the many, of course, there's often always fights and contentions uh, when there's drinking in, involved. Uh, you know, the, we, were, we were in Maine, what was it, four or five years ago, and we we went up to East Mill Nocket, and we went past this place, and there was, some, there was a, a clearing there uh, on the left-hand side of the road, and like a little pavilion, and, and there was uh, some ashes, like there had been a big fire. And uh, Washburn said that you know, they have a big uh, motorcycle gang party there every year. And usually there ends up, of course, there's a bunch of drinking, and usually it ends up with a bunch of fights, and the police get called, and, and usually a motorcycle or two gets burned. Now, I never known them guys to buy or to drive cheap motorcycles either. But, but these are all, what, what, what's the cause of all this? You know, they'll, they'll drink this, and then they utter perverse things, and of course there's contentions and strife and fights and... It all goes together. Uh, verse 34 describes a drunk who's, you know, he's, he's throwing up his poison. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, verse 35, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. So again, your grape juice does not do any of these things. And so these things, you know, it gives a person, it makes a person lose control of themselves. Now go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, as God's children, we're to walk circumspectly. That means with diligence, with purpose, uh, and with understanding and wisdom. 
uh, considering the days in which we're living, understanding what the will of the Lord. You know, all these things take a right use of your mind. They take a right use of your mind. And you notice he says, and be not drunk with wine where there's excess. What does wine in excess do? It takes control of your mind. It takes control of your body. But be filled with the Spirit. No, we're, we're to be Spirit-led or Spirit-controlled with a right use of our minds. You know, so we're to be in conformity to the Spirit. Speaking And again, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. You know, so the picture here is of one who's walking with the Lord. He's in his right mind. He's not controlled by some other substance or outside force. You think about the maniac of Gardea. When he came running to Jesus, in fact, the Bible says that he was he was a wild man. He dwelt in the tombs, and no man can tame him, and, 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 and so on. And he, he ran naked. Uh, he was an outcast from society. But when, when Jesus cast the demons out, the Bible says he was sitting. He was clothed. He was in his right mind. In other words, he was under the control of common sense. He could think for himself. And he, of course, he was under the control of the Spirit of God, but, but he was, what we would say, he was normal. Uh, he, was under, he was under the control of, him, of you know, he was under, under control, not being, he wasn't under the control or influence of the demons anymore, or as one would be, of wine. Isaiah 28, 7 and 8 says, But they also have erred through wine, and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. They err through wine. You know that the Lord said, you know, the Lord said of Noah that Noah walked with God. But after he came off the ark, he planted a vineyard. It's okay to have a vineyard. It's what you do with it, it's a problem. But he became he made liquor and he became drunk. And this man who walked with God and built the ark. Because he feared God, he erred because of the influence of the drink. He made himself naked in the tent. And it brought a curse upon one of his sons. Genesis 19. Lot erred through drink. Genesis 19, 35 and 36. The daughter's lot, they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger rose and lay with him. He perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. In Hosea 7, verse 5, says, In the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. He stretched out his hand to scorners. So, Bible clearly condemns the drinking 
of alcoholic beverages. Uh, even Proverbs 23, verse 20 says, Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. Uh, so, so this clearly condemns the drinking. Now the question people ask, or the excuse they give, is found in John chapter 2. Let's go there, John chapter 2. And you'll get this. I've had many person use this as an excuse that Jesus made wine. And when they say that, they're meaning that Jesus made alcoholic wine. Well, the Bible doesn't say that he did. Number one, the Bible doesn't say that he did. And in context, I would say it teaches to the contrary. Uh, John chapter one, 2, verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus called the disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. There were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. So, so the question is, that is asked, or the excuse that is made, is Jesus made alcoholic wine. Well, again, the Bible doesn't teach that here. It doesn't say that. Um, and they would say, well, when men have well drunk, well, I, I well drink every morning. And I never drink liquor in my life. You know, everybody knows if we're traveling, it isn't going to be too long do we have to stop. For me. Because I well drink in the morning. By time breakfast is over, I have at least... 24 ounces of water in me. At least. Because the first thing I do in the morning is drink at least a glass, a 12 ounce glass and a half. First thing. And then for breakfast, I usually drink another whole glass. So at least 24 ounces of water in me by the time breakfast is over. That may be 7 or 8 o'clock. So if we're traveling, you know, even if you have coffee, you're not going to beat me, you know, needing to stop. I have well drunk in the morning. I well drink every morning. See, to well drunk doesn't mean you're drunk, intoxicated. It means you just means you have drunk a lot of liquid. And so when it says here they well drunk, I mean, they drank all the grape juice they'd had so far. Now, the Bible uses the word wine, but I believe that's what it was. Uh, and... And this was better, this tastes better. Now, if they were half drunk, would they know that it was better tasting than what they had before? Well, because 
you know, after all, if you're half drunk, it does affect your functions of your body, you know. Um, but, but, that, but the question remains, did Jesus make alcoholic wine? David Cloud had an interesting article, and I'm going to give you, he gave ten reasons why that cannot be so. First of all, because of his holy nature, of his holy nature, because he is holy. Uh, Hebrews 7.26 says he is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And and he, he would not do anything or make something that would make people... Make a mockery of people. Uh, think about this, this illustration. Okay, the word cider. Cider may mean an alcoholic beverage or plain apple juice. If you lived in the 1920s during the Prohibition days and were approached by two people offering you a drink of cider, one of the persons you knew to be one of the holiest men in town, faithful to the house of God, separated from the world, diligent in prayers and witnessing, and the other was a known liquor dealer, each one offered you a drink of his very own cider. Now, I think we would assume that the man of God would offer us apple juice. Now, the liquor dealer would likely offer you liquor, fermented cider. See, the character of the person influences what one does with what he has. And Jesus is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. So we ought to safely assume that he would not make something that in the scripture is called a mocker and a deceiver and cause men misery. Second reason, he would not contradict scripture. Habakkuk 2.15 says, Woe unto him who giveth his neighbor drink. That put us thy bottle to him and make us him drunken also, that thou mayest look on his nakedness. Again, if Jesus made alcoholic wine, he contradicts his own word. Because he commands us not to give our neighbor drink. Whoa. That means he's pronouncing judgment on one who gives his neighbor drink. Now, you might say, well, preacher, that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, that's still his word. It's all his word. It's all his word. He wouldn't contradict it. It's like, like you know, the same reasoning is used to, to excuse people wearing long, men wearing long hair. They say, well, Jesus had long hair. I said, prove that to me. Well, you know, he was a Nazarite. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a Nazarite. He was a Nazarene. He wasn't a Nazarite. Samson was a Nazarite. John the Baptist was a Nazarite, but Jesus was not a Nazarite. And his word says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. That word shame there means it's vile. It's not just embarrassing, it's vile. So it's a shame for a man to have, it's a glory for a woman, but it's a shame for a man to have long hair. It's effeminate. That's what it is. And Jesus would not contradict his word. So, so he wouldn't contradict his word. Thirdly, 
Leviticus 10, 9, 11 commands the priests of God to not drink wine nor strong drink. And he is our priest. He's the merciful and faithful high priest, Hebrews 2, 17 calls him. And a priest was not to drink any wine or strong drink, none. He was prohibited from that. And Jesus would, you know, we would expect that Jesus as our high priest would obey all the scriptures pertaining to that office. If he didn't, he would have disqualified himself as a teacher of the children of Israel. Uh, fourth reason is, of course, in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verses five and, uh, 4 and 5, where the Bible prohibits kings and princes from drinking alcoholic wine or strong drink because it perverts judgment. And you know, it would be necessary for Christ to obey these because he is the prince of peace. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He was the king that was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. And so he would have to be obey Proverbs 31, 4 and 5. Again, his word. You know, these are really, I think, quite simple. Number five, Christ did not come to mock or deceive people. And Proverbs 21, 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, people say, well, I'm deceived by it. I just think it's okay to drink a little here now. Now and, now and again. You know, that's how drunkards start. That's where they begin. Most drug addicts don't start out drinking or you know taking a whole lot of drugs. They start with one, but it ends up becoming a habit because it's addictive. Alcohol is addictive. It's a mocker. It makes a mockery of you. Look at Isaiah chapter five. Isaiah chapter five. Number six. Jesus did not come to send people to hell. Isaiah 5, verse 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink. So obviously we know in context here, this is talking about alcoholic wine. That continue unto night till wine inflame them. And the harp and the vial and the tabret and the pipe and the wine are in their feasts. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of hands. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. Hell. If you think about what that says there, hell has been enlarged because of drinking of alcohol. There's a verse, I think it's in Hosea, that says, uh, wine and whoredom take away the heart. They take away the heart. They, 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 you know, and the idea here is that it takes one away from Drawing to God. It takes them away. And again, the Lord didn't make something that caused hell to be enlarged. Number seven, 
Christ did not come to cast a stumbling block before anyone. Romans 14.21 teaches us who anyone who gives another uh, 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 alcoholic wine casts a stumbling block. It says, It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. You know, wine is a stumbling block. It's a stumbling block. Number eight. The miracle, John 2, the miracle of turning water into wine does not require that it be alcoholic. We already looked at that. It doesn't require it. Many insist on that, but there's nothing there that says it was alcoholic. In fact, it's most likely the opposite because when men's tastes have been dulled by much drinking, they don't know whether it's better or not. And the, obviously, the... the uh, uh, governor knew this was better. It was sweeter. And then number nine, uh, Lord Jesus would not have gotten glory from making drunk people drunker. Think about it. If Jesus made liquor at the marriage so people got drunker, look at, look at and again, look at the context here. And what verse 11 says, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifest his glory. Well, I just got glory. The Lord got glory out of making people drunker? Or drunk? That's an impossibility. That certainly, if he'd made people drunk, it wouldn't have manifested his glory. And so, you know, obviously then, we can conclude from these things that drinking alcoholic wine is not approved in the scriptures. In fact, it's condemned. It's condemned. Now, another excuse people say is, what about what Paul told Timothy? Drink no longer water, but a little wine for thy stomach's sake. A little wine for thy stomach's sake. Again, if he is having health problems, do you think taking something toxic is going to help him? Something that will cause inflammation in your body? If you're having stomach issues, do you want to put something in it that's going to cause inflammation in it? No, you'd put grape juice. You know, think about the water. They had water problems back then. In fact, most countries have water problems. You know, if you go to a foreign country, what do they tell you? Don't drink the water. Buy bottled water. Because the waters can have little crawly creatures in it, you know, that make you sick. So, you know, they didn't have good water... So Paul's saying, hey, be careful of the water. Drink grape juice. I believe he's telling you you need to drink grape juice. That will help your infirmities. So, again, we have to conclude that, the, that it, is, it is not right for God's people to drink alcoholic beverages. The Bible condemns it. 
with some very strong white. And again, the only reason, the only possible reason to drinking alcoholic beverages is, is given to us in verse 6 of, of Proverbs chapter uh, 31 where it says, Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. So when you're ready to die and you need something to make you comfortable, nowadays they give you medication usually instead. You know, and it may even be morphine, a drug, because you're dying. Sometimes dying is very painful. You know, some people just die in their sleep. Or just kill over with a heart attack just like that. My mom just, they got her out and set her in a chair and in the morning gave her a coffee and they left her room and come back in and she was laid over dead. Just like that. She was never in pain. She would say, oh, I don't know if I've ever been in pain. She had 11 children. She had to be in pain sometime. <laughs> but, you know, she, she would say things like that. You know, I, I'm, I don't have any pain. You know, other people have excruciating pain when they die. So, it's all right then. So if you're dead, if you're dying, it's okay as a medication. But otherwise, the Bible condemns it. I think we can see that clearly from the scriptures. You know, we are not to drink anything or take anything into our bodies that perverts our judgment and, and, and causes us to lose our faculties of sense. I think the scriptures are clear about that. Um, so might the Lord help us to be, have wisdom and understanding these things and allow the scriptures to govern our lives in these areas.